Hey everyone, what's up? This is the Everyday Bowhunter, and I'm your host, Mike Manley. This week, Dan and I sit down with Andy Musser. Andy is a cancer survivor and bow hunter. He used bow hunting to help him recover, use the therapeutic properties of being in the woods and going through the motions of hunting to really help him build on uh, his life and, and use that and other methods to get himself on track. Andy talks about all the stuff he's doing now, the bows he's using, what made him get into saddle hunting, and how he's hunting private and public land, and some great stories from him and Dan about what they've done and, and what we plan on doing in the future. So stay tuned, get ready, and let's dive into this podcast. Let's go. Welcome to the Everyday Bow Hunter. I'm your host, Mike Manley, retired Green Beret turned bow hunter, joined by my brother, Dan Zima. We're here to share tips, stories, and talk gear, all from our unique points of view. Whether you're just starting out or you're a seasoned bow hunter, I think you're going to like it. So let's go. Hey everyone, this is Mike and this is episode five of the podcast. I, I said it last week, Dan, but I feel like beating a dead horse saying, I can't believe it's episode five. Is that, yeah. is that, yeah, it's crazy that we're that far along. I, I'm, I'm real looking forward to the time when we can do these every week. Last week was, or the, two weeks ago, was a great podcast. We did a bunch of preseason questions. I really got a great response, especially on YouTube. Really kicked out. I was, I was real happy with that. Since then. What have you dived into as far as prepping for the season? Oh, not a whole lot, to be honest. I did shoot a little bit, got all my clothes together, getting ready to do the laundry aspect of it. That's about it. Right now, it's, again, we're prepping, me and the wife. We start tomorrow, head up to Lebanon for the dog show, and that's going to run through Sunday. So it's that season and kind of takes precedence right now. So, but I'm looking forward to this weekend. Hopefully we get enough points to get her championship title and go from there man it's getting exciting that's awesome yeah uh as you know maybe andy doesn't know i don't know i was in the outer banks last week uh didn't really do a lot except for the week prior did a bunch of of cleaning up and getting some of my gear together as far as uh scouting concerned when i was on my trip my my one cell camera that literally is almost at the top of the mountain had not showed me a deer. I got bear on there. I got raccoons. I got all kinds of crap. At one doe, I think the first week I had it up, but months of rarely seeing a deer hinted on there. All of a sudden, I got these rackers in there that look like they're really carrying some headgear. I sent you guys the pictures earlier. Yeah, they're looking uh, good. Yeah. Now I'm like evaluating where where are they coming from? <laughs> where are they betting? Trying to do all that that analysis and, and thinking, man, I gotta, I gotta get in there and scout around here before we get too close to the season. Yeah. I mean, they're up high too, which, yeah, it's, I mean, that's, 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 that camera's probably, I don't know, a hundred yards from the, from the top of the mountain. If that, if that, yeah. so, well, which is, Hey, cool. I, you know, I, I'd like to introduce Andy here. This is Andy Musser, a very, uh, close personal friend of mine. He is a local business owner in our area. He is an avid hunter, avid fisherman. And uh, if I'm right, Andy, you just uh, took on a leadership role in Leader of Man, Iron Council. Order of Man? Order of Man. What did I say? Yeah. 
Yeah, you leader got of it. man. Lead, well, you, you are leader kind of a leader of man. Leader of man. Yes. You are a leader, leader of, of the men. Yeah, no. So am I right? You took a leadership role? Yeah. Or, yeah, recently or in the process of? Yeah, yeah. So if if you, some of your readers may or may not be familiar with the podcast called The Order of Man, it's uh, run by uh, Ryan Mickler. Who is kind of, he's kind of a leading guy in the world of, uh, uh, masculinity and leadership. And within, on, and within Order of Man, he has a men's group called the Iron Council. So it's, it's basically a big network of other like minded men looking to accomplish their goals, looking to level up in all areas of life, particularly like with masculinity, with leading their families, protect, provide, preside is kind of their, their saying. And within the Iron Council, they're, there are teams, so there's battle teams, there's upwards of 15 guys per battle team. So basically you got a group of, of 15 guys, upwards of 15 guys, and it's really just like a daily check-in accountability thing. It's a great place for guys to go to, I say, like for me, it was huge for stress relief. And yeah, it's just been, it's been great for me because, you know, uh, when you're in your business, you know, when you're the boss, when you're a leader of your family. You know, you, you've got to carry yourself a certain way, right? I'm sure you guys are aware of that, yeah. whether, you know, it's a team at work or a team at home, or maybe even in the military, I'm sure uh, Mike can speak to this, but uh, you know, you carry a certain weight around with that, you know, and being able to take that armor off and just be vulnerable and transparent and ask for accountability and, and own up to the life's mistakes and, and, and all that, you know, it's, it's a, it's a great place for all that guys to just kind of get together and talk and, and, and accomplish their goals together. So, yeah. Oh, that's very yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was a little leery and then I got to go on a trip with Andy, Mike, I got to go to Gettysburg and one of the guys from order of man was a guide and we walked through the whole thing. It was spectacular. It was a great day. Halfway through, I ended up with massive blisters on the bottom of my feet. One of the guys was like, Hey man, take your shoes off. Let me see this. Got me all wrapped up, ready to go, you know, finish the trip. I'm telling you, like nobody had an ego there. All you it did was, was went on a walk around Gettysburg and Dan was a casualty. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah he was. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> one of, uh, a couple million, it, maybe. It, it, it totally <laughs> opened my eyes in a very, very, very positive light of what they're doing, what yeah. they're about. And mm -hmm. I, I really appreciated the camaraderie of the guys. And like I said, no ego. Everybody yeah. was there for each other. And that was yeah. a great thing. Yeah. It's funny too, because I mean, I know this is a hunting podcast and we want to talk about hunting stuff. It's <laughs> funny. Now what the point I wanted to say is whenever I start talking about this group, guys get a little uncomfortable because yeah, yeah we always put up a, put up a front, maybe put up a shield and you know, we don't want to, it's not normal for guys, you know, to, <clears throat> for buddies that have been buddies for a long time, you know, you got the bar, you have a couple of beers, blah, blah, blah. You're not talking about personal stuff, right? There's a lot of like old school taught stuff from maybe our fathers and grandfathers where, you know, we don't talk about our things or we don't, we don't talk about our goals or we don't do this and that. And, you know, got, some guys get a little uncomfortable with that, but once they actually experience it, they realize that it's totally the complete opposite of what they think it might be. And that once you're there, everybody's kind of like, Hey, we all make mistakes. We're all human. Let's get down to the, the root of this thing and figure out a better path forward, you know? So. You know, a lot of it has to do with building a vision of your future and then building your, your battle plan around that with, you know, small achievable goals 
and uh, little wins every day because they stack up. So, yeah. Yeah. I, well, you know, making yourself vulnerable, I, you know, I had you know some battles with PTSD and I went through some counseling and stuff. And, and that was the hardest thing for me is opening up because that yeah. was not what you did. You did not yep. do that. You did not let yeah. anybody see your vulnerability. So it was very, very tough for me, but it yeah. definitely, it definitely helps. And a lot of guys, uh, it takes them a long time, especially when you're young and you're beating your chest and saying, oh, screw that. I would never do that. You know, and then yep. all of a sudden you're 50 years old and you're saying, yeah. You know, so I think you kind of, you kind of hit a good note there, Andy, it was the, the vulnerability thing and holding each other accountable is the biggest thing. Cause a lot of people don't have that friend, that buddy, or a group like you that, that hold, holds each other accountable. I mean, I, I get lazy. I get, you know, I slack and you know, my wife will call me out and I love that. And she holds me accountable and I have to do that with her too. And, you know, that's a great thing, but I, you know, having that group that I think that speaks volumes of the kind of person that you are is to open yourself up to that and allow, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, as you know, like with my background and what I've been through really in the past decade has been pretty, pretty crazy. And to get through what I got through without that group is pretty amazing. But also realized that, you know, thinking that, you know, life was going to get easier after I, I, you know, got past cancer, it, it did not get easier. It got harder. And, you know, I, I added two more children to my plate. My business expanded. You name it. Life keeps hammering, right? Life doesn't care you know, about your past or what's going on currently, life will just happen. Yeah. So speaking of the cancer, you, you, and I remember it, I was there, you got a hell of a story and I, I would love for you to share with everybody, you know, your story. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. So basically what I was kind of referring to in my last uh, rambling there was I was, I was diagnosed with colon cancer when I was 34. So we are just about nine years cancer-free now. So pretty awesome win right Absolutely. there, I'd say. Uh, you know, uh, through that, obviously, there was a lot of scares. Originally, I was misdiagnosed with stage four. And as you know, stage four, there's pretty much a, you know, a 5% chance of, of living beyond, you know, five years. You yeah. know, I was basically told I had maybe two and a half to live. Thankfully, I didn't have to live with that too long because we had gotten a biopsy and kind of something didn't sound right with my other doctor. So eventually we got a biopsy and we proved that doctor wrong. But with that, you know, as you know, a lot of damage can come from, from that. So, yeah. you know, a week prior, we had found out that my, my girlfriend, my wife now, Erica and I were about to have uh, a baby. And then a week later I found out, you know, I could be dead in two years. So the weight of, you know, knowing that, you know, I was literally having my first child and I would be leaving my wife with this and, you know, and her at time 12 year old, but you know, my 12 year old stepdaughter, Madison was just, God, it was heart wrenching. It was gut twisting. Uh, you know, it was, it was a very difficult time, but dark, at the same dark. time, I, yeah, at the same time, you know, I was 34 and I had so much to live for, you know, and those few days after my misdiagnosis, you know, I had really literally like i say i i had my moment with god i realized that you know i had a whole life ahead of me and just kind of like what we do in the iron council with creating a vision 
at the time I didn't really understand it, but I did create a vision of where I wanted to be. You know, I wanted to walk my daughter down the aisle. I wanted to go bow hunting in Montana for bull elk. You know, I wanted to, to do all these things, you know, and that's really what kind of fueled my recovery, my fight. And, you know, one of the things that obviously gave me a good release was hunting. You know, I, I was thinking about this earlier, how I got into archery because I'm a late, I'm a late onset archer. I grew up rifle hunting, you know, Pennsylvania backwoods, you know, uh, orange (laughs) army, you know what I mean? It was just, it was just a day or or two days and you you just went in and you pulled the trigger and hopefully you got a spike or something. (laughs) So, which is, was fine and dandy at the time, but I still remember the day I, I took my dad and of all things, a crossbow you know, out into our, our, our newly acquired cabin land, which is on 65 acres. And he said, man, I saw a nice eight point in this tree stand. Why don't you go back there and sit? I was like, ah, oh, sure. You know, not even thinking of the whole dynamic behind archery, like, Hey, you got to practice. Right. And Hey, this is a crossbow and there's a scope and there's like, you know, there's more, <laughs> no clue. Yeah. And lo and behold, here comes two doe and a pretty nice eight point. And I thankfully shot underneath that deer. Crossbow and <laughs> fired it like a rifle, like all I knew. And uh, you know, in the heat of the moment, you know how it gets, guys. And uh, man, I was uh, ever was I pissed at myself for that. And I remember telling Dan about it, and he's like, "Man, we got to get you into a bow." Yeah. And uh, you know, but so I didn't get into a bow until 2016. So you know, 2015, I went through chemo. I did go up. I hunted, and it really gave me that that solitude and a, and a way to break out of just everything going on in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, one of the things I made sure I told my oncologist was, look, you know, I don't, I don't know. I did chemo every two weeks and I said, look, I got to go deer hunting this year. I was like, I'm not letting it stop me. So I'm skipping that week or whatever. He's, he was fine with that, blah, blah, blah. He's like, you might have some cold sensitivity. Yeah. I had some cold sensitivity, but I toughed it out. Didn't she shit that year, which was fine. But if, to me, it, it, the whole experience just meant everything for me. And it, it kind of gave me a whole new appreciation for, for hunting in general. You know, I, I saw the, I saw what it did for me on a healing level, on a, a level that I had not quite ever thought about before because I was too ignorant and really closed off to that, that part of my life, uh, which probably led to disease in my body partially, but you know, it was really the start, the start of something something amazing. And, and so, and it's just been a, it's been a hell of a ride ever since. That's for sure. So when, from diagnosis to cancer free, I, how long, what, what was the time frame? You know what? I think it was, I think it was around 2016 when I was finally given the clean bill of health because there were some complications and some stuff that was showing up in scans and weird markers on blood work that had them a little, you know, a little worried that might be something else. So, you know, it's just time and tests and, you know, I wanted to get that, you know, cancer free, you know, something that I had literally envisioned, you know, envisioned in my head, but you know, as you know, life don't work that way. Right. So I had to go through a little bit more pain and suffering, but in that process is literally Dan, when I was started picking your brain and you started saying, man, you got to get into a bow. And I was like, you're right. You're calling me, you're calling me you're calling me your, your, you're, you're my archery sensei, sensei. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you're, my, you're my bow sensei. Yeah. And I remember still, it was a Craigslist ad. And I, I like, remember going to a Walmart. 
went to Walmart and met that dude in the parking yeah. lot. <laughs> I drew yeah. it back for you and everything. I was like, yeah, this will work, dude. <laughs> like, I had no friggin' wow. And dude, dude was like six two. I mean, he was arm length, all, all yeah. kinds of shit. And I was just like, oh, oh draw God. length all messed up. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but uh, Dan got Dan got me hooked up. You know, he's like, you know, go here, go there, do this, do that. You know, we met at Columbia Fishing Game uh, Gun Club Fishing. there. Yeah, you know, started shooting, <clears throat> and you know, he was just kind of like, keep it simple, focus on one thing. And move on to the next once you think you have that dialed down. And yeah, it was, it was on then because, yeah. you know, what I had experienced and also, which was like a whole new world of hunting in PA was the early season yeah. heading into Halloween week, last week in October, and then boom, early November, which is like, damn, I never saw anything like this in the yeah. Pennsylvania woods. I'm yeah. out here freezing my ass off in December. Or, or, you know, after Thanksgiving, that's, that's the thrill of archery and people just yeah. don't, that are gun hunters don't realize oh. how exciting oh. that whole time frame is. I mean, oh, start, start like, to finish early season until the end of the first season. You literally are watching it from jungle phase all the way to the leaves change till they're oh, dropping yeah. off. You are in the woods in the most beautiful time of the year. The temperatures are dropping. It's getting so comfortable. Archery season is just pure freaking magic. And that's all there is. I mean, it's, yeah, there's not a whole lot more you could say, you know, it's pure magic. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, so what I mean, are you shooting now? Yeah. Oh, did you have something else, Dan? I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, no, I started off with Bowtex. So I had the invasion and then I actually, the next bow I ended up getting was a, a bow of Dan's, another Bowtex. <laughs> Which, what was that bow? Because I, I, uh, I think the, I pulled it back 20 times before it exploded on me. <laughs> Be oh, man. Oh, so gave you a uh, bum bow. Yeah, he gave me the one with the carbon limbs. Yeah. That, that they were having issues with. No, that was the fiber limbs, and they gave you, they that put the right. replacement carbon limbs on it. That's it was the yeah, BTX-31. Yeah. Yeah, and it was shooting like a dream. I mean, we had very similar draw lengths, and it was shooting great, and then it, Literally the limb just went on me. Thankfully that's, you know, it didn't cause any damage to me. Yeah. Uh, but we got that. I felt like, an, I felt like a complete ass dude. I sold oh, you a bow and then it worked out. Right. Because, Hey, we ended up doing a warranty on it, but the warning wasn't yeah. going to be done in time for archery season. So I, you know, it was bow week basically at Kinsey's and I was like bonanza or whatever in August. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at this. I'm, you know, I go straight for the Hoyts and the Matthews and I'm, you know, I'm pulling back a Hoyt and I'm just like, Meh. and then I'm pulling back a Matthews and I'm like, oh, okay. And I, I ended up like, I ended up going with the Triax that year. I, I think the Triax was, that was the year prior. I forget what they called that model that came out after the Triax, but love the Triax. Went with the shorty model, that 32 and just moved my, you know, the, the site over and, and was rocking. So yeah. And I, I've been, you know, it's been a dang good bow for me ever since so yeah that's yeah. awesome i was telling dan you said about bonanza in august the like the the youtube channel the the number one video i have right now that's just blowing the others away is draw length calculator if you can believe that yeah well, i remember <laughs> the people about prepping that. their bows and then yeah. on the website it's the arrow weight calculator you know yeah so everybody's yeah. getting their like racing to get their stuff together oh uh, yeah yeah absolutely yeah so you and you and Mike have a similarity here, but I would like to juxtapos juxtaposition the differences between you and him when it comes to saddle hunting. 
So well, first first thing is though. So what what were you doing before, and what yeah. pushed you into saddle hunting? Yeah, here you go. Yeah, so like I'm I'm definitely I come from a, I would say you know I grew up doing public. I got into archery season late, but by that time we had acquired a 65 acre cabin in Bedford County, Pennsylvania. So 2C. And not only that, we have 19 acres here in Lancaster County where my dad lives. It's a meadow between ag. So I got spoiled and got comfortable. Sorry, the wind just picked up here. It's a little wild, but I got spoiled, you know, with, with this land to hunt. And so I was very much acquire as many tree stands as possible private land set up, you know? So, you know, I went from the big, the big heavy ones, you know, permanent quote unquote permanent stands to, you know, getting a lone wolf alpha two, you know, something a little lighter, like kind of dabbling with moving around and getting a little more aggressive, you know, and then eventually came the Helio by Novix. And then I think it honestly, it really wasn't until I went up hunting with you guys, I think it was two or three years ago. And hunted and hunted Juniata where I was like, <clears throat> and you know, the other thing was I had become, started to become obsessed with the hunting public guys, you know, and seeing how they do it. We all are. And yeah. We all are. <laughs> yeah. And I just love the idea, not only of just hunting public, but <clears throat> just being more mobile. And honestly, the saddle hunting thing was not something I wanted to get into right away because I was like, let's go as late as I can with my with my little hang-ons, you know, but I noticed like, as I did them more, I was like, man, this is a pain, the freaking ass. Like even a little stand like this can still be a bitch to set up and hanging and banging and, you know, doing your thing. And just like the world of saddle hunting was very intimidating to me because I'm not like a rope guy. I have no experience doing that kind of climbing other than, you know, your, your, your tree stand harness. So, um, uh, basically you know, I actually, through the Iron Council, I met a guy named AJ Hunter who, um, started his own saddle company called Hunt Light and L-Y-T-E. And he is like a mountaineering guide in New Hampshire and Maine. And he has climbing experience. He's also a army, army veteran as well. So combat vet. So that was cool. And so he designed his own saddle setup. It's called the outsider. It's pretty legit. And it's only 17 and a half ounces, even with the dump bag. It's very light, very versatile. He has two Ooh. hip replacements from being in a, I think he was hit by an IED if I'm correct. So he has two titanium hips. He has a jacked up back. So as you can imagine, he's in a tree saddle stand, he's getting uncomfortable. And, and so he kind of built this system to, to suit him, but in the same sense, it's, it's, it's a really nice setup. I mean, I don't have much experience in anything else other than that. So I, I, you know, I can't, I don't have too much to, you know, compare it to, but that's the setup I went with. I, I, I ended up going with a pursuit platform, which I'm not sure if you guys have heard of that or not. It's pursuit. a very, what company is that? It, it what's it's by pursuit. Oh, pursuit platform. no, I haven't yeah. heard of that. No. Yep. So it's, a, it's, a, yeah, it's like a, it's almost like a poly composite <clears throat> thing. And it's almost like, almost like a basket like this, you know, it's not flat. It's almost like this and it's very compact. It's not much wider than this and it's angled and it flexes. I've seen, I've seen him like that from out on a limb, I think has stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. See, yeah. he's somehow tied in with him and it's, it's extremely lightweight. I think it's for 12, it's 21 ounces. 
And, you know, so I, I got up in that the first few times and realized like, you know, it's nice. It's just a little small. And I didn't put a whole lot of hours in, I think just because of that. And it wasn't until later in the season where I got a little bigger platform. I just went, ended up getting a Hawk just to kind of see what like a, a quote unquote normal size, you know, saddle platform would, would be like. And I was like, oh dang, okay, this is, this is something I'm a, a little more comfortable with and I could deal with the added weight to gain that much space, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So from my end, they're, they're, you know, I can relate to your buddy because my, from the military, my back is jacked up. I, I just got two shots in, into my spine, what, three weeks ago. Yeah. So I, I can, I can relate. And, you know, I was looking for something lighter. Well, I was using a climber for years from the, from the day I, I started hunting. When I got out of the military, I was using a climber. So we've always been mobile in that regard, you know, and I had a couple hang on stands that were pretty decent, but I don't think I ever got anything out of those. Yeah. I never got anything out of those lock on stands, but I, I was really, I do have a lot of experience with climbing and, and ropes and stuff from the military. So I had to, I had that similar experience to him. Uh, and that I, I was comfortable with it. I just considered a saddle, a fancy Swiss seat, uh, that you use for climbing and stuff. So where, where you can actually sit back and it'd be comfortable versus having your legs pinched. Uh, but so I, I jumped into last season. I hunted the, the, uh, predator platform from tethered and I hunted the phantom saddle and I came away feeling like the, the phantom was kind of an entry level saddle. I. It was constantly, it was either shifting up on me or shifting down. I'd raise and lower my tether. I'm constantly getting uncomfortable. And, and I said, ah, they're comfort channels. Uh, they don't work for me anyway, for me. Yeah. Uh, so I look for something different. So this season, and I've only, I've only been in it like three times on a tree now. I got the Cruiser XC, which if you look at Tethered's lock-on saddle now, it has the expansion chamber in it. It's just like the Cruiser XC. But the Cruiser XC is kind of cheaper, <laughs> a lot cheaper actually. Yeah. And that, so I, I wanted to switch out the platform too, cause I'm a leaner. I lean and it was constantly, you know, wearing my, my feet out after a while. Cause I was leaning on that, the predator platform and I got the, the Cruiser mini seeker, which has a, a, a cant to it. So you could, you know, lean and have your feet flat and not wear your, wear your feet out. So that's what, that's what I kind of ran, but the, you're. Are you running the same? You got the Skeletor sticks, right? Yes. Yes. Actually, I wanted to say, I, I, I eventually got the cruiser seeker because of you, you had told me about the seeker. Cause that was the one thing about the pursuit platform that I liked. I did like that can, I liked that angle angled front, but I needed a little bit more beef. You know, if I wanted to move around more, have a little bit more confidence in it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I ended up getting the full size seeker at the, the Pennsylvania outdoors show there. Um, so I haven't used that yet. I'm, I'm excited to get up in it. I think this year I'm going to hit saddle hunting pretty hard because of, you know, I'm just a little bit more confident in my setup. Um, as far as the sticks goes, you know, I started, I started with the, the double step sticks from Little Wolf Custom. That's what I had for my Helio, my Novix Helio setup with an eighter on the bottom. I think they're the 17 inches with an eight or so it's a two step, but with the eighter, it adds that third, but. I just didn't like their packability and I forget if it was you, it might've been you who told me, or if it was Dan, that told me about the Skeletors or maybe it was my other buddy, Joe Post, cause he's a tethered guy, but 
I ended up getting the tethered Skeletors on, on Black Friday and man, just the, the lock-in, the packability, they're quiet. They, I just fell in love with them. They're, they're the perfect stick for me because I would say out of all the things involving mobile hunting, no matter what it is, the sticks are them things that always just gave me trouble. Just could never get them to, to sit right, to pack right. Yeah. So yeah. Love, Having it love packed perfectly was one of my goals. I really strive to have the perfect pack out. I got the trophy line K's 2.0 pack and for saddle hunters, you can slide your platform in, your sticks go on two on each side, strap them down. The Skeletors are probably the only thing that I said that I am 100% happy with. I wasn't looking to change them. I tried Novix's 32-inch sticks with the single step, and I'm not not too thrilled with that. Yeah. And I have the Hilo, too. So I'm, I'm still keeping that setup because I want to have the option, like I told Dan, if it rains, I don't want to get my ropes soaked. You know, if I'm on a multi-day yeah. hunt, I don't want to have to be waiting for my, my ropes to dry out or wear my ropes out from being wet all the time. That's mm -hmm. not good to store them in, the, in your pouches and stuff wet. You know, you need to lay them out and dry them out. So, yeah. so that's why I'm running two, two things. But the Skeletor 6, after running them all last month, even in my shortened season last year from my wife breaking her leg, <laughs> I still, I, I love them. And I actually take one out with me with a two-step aider on it from custom, custom gear modifications to hang my trail cams because i elevate yeah. my trail cameras oh yeah yeah I mean, I do you the guys same on, on, yeah you guys are like speaking a different language right now me, me being a ground hunter i'm sitting here and i'm like oh <laughs> you know what i mean like no clue what the hell you guys are talking about but it's, it's yeah. good because it's a it's a it's, you know i mean i'll never do it because i'm afraid yeah, of like, with my like, with my back uh, with my back you would think that that would hurt me but even because of the, all the shots and stuff I get, it, it helps. But walking in and walking out, having that pack on versus all the extra weight of the other stands and stuff, uh, it was just been so much better for my back. And I've, I've been able to really put a, you know, walk a lot of miles and, and not have issues. So that's, that's yeah. why I'm sticking with it. Yeah, there's, you know, all the options out there. It's crazy. You know, you can, you could drive yourself nuts, but it's good to, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm a, definitely a, a gear whore. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I'm becoming, man, one. I, you should see I, my face. I, I, I don't know how many tree stands I got and how many different backpacks, you know, you should see my sick setup. It's ridiculous, but you know, you got to find what works for you. You got to find what works for you because at the end of the day, you know, you, you got to be comfortable and confident in your gear and you want to have a good time doing what yeah. you're doing because it's hard enough doing, doing what we do out there. And especially when you're dedicating, like, you know, I, looking back at my hunting journal, I mean, I'm putting in like 30 plus, you know, days, 30 plus hunts in archery season. Like, like I'm not going out three or four times a, a season. Like yeah. I need good gear. I want to be comfortable. I want to enjoy myself as much as I can. I want to give myself that advantage as much as I can. Cause you know, not only for my own personal reasons, but you know, I, I want to be in a good mind frame when I'm taking that shot, you know, ultimately. Yeah. So, yeah. So speaking, speaking of those 30 hunts, so me and Mike were talking and, you know, you've come up to our camp already. I've been out hunting with you this year in spring gobbler. You had said something about having us come out and hunt with you. So yeah. I think we need to pick a week. It doesn't matter when I prefer not early season because of the bugs and whatever, you know what I mean? But yeah, you know, pick a week where we'll go up Wednesday night hunt 
Thursday morning, you know, Thursday evening, do a Friday morning hunt. And then in the afternoon, drive over to our camp, finish out the weekend at our place. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's up to you, but I would love to have that be a tradition. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're one of my closest, you're one of my closest buddies. And anytime that I get to spend some quality time with you, it's a blessing, man. And you know, I'm extremely grateful to have you, have you be a friend. Hey, right back at you guys, man. I, Hey, let's, this is a tradition. I think we we need to start, you know, the mustard Zemer deer tour. We'll have our own deer tour. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I love it. You know, we, like I said, we can, we can hit my camp, you know, if camp, like we have options around my camp, we have the state park, we have state game lands, you know, yeah. and you know, we're set up more mobile. We could, we could, we could, uh, do what we need to do and. Yeah. And, uh, well, you got a lot of territory out there. Yeah. That CWD really scared people off of the doe tags. I was looking down there and it was like, uh, when they went round two, there was like 50,000 tags left for that. Uh, it's insane. It's crazy. Yeah. And you know what that's going to do to the deer population out there? And meaning it's gonna, like, it's it's kind of what you've seen, I don't think it's like, it's not like wreaking havoc on the population and that just the less hunters. I mean, it makes it difficult for pressure, but you know, for public, that's not a bad thing. And there's just got to be more deer to shoot. You know, yeah, you got to yeah. fill that freezer. It's a great place to get a doe tag and try to, you know. So out, out there with the, in. so, so third what, round, I've you... got to get a doe tag for down there. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, yeah. So I, what... I almost wait till the last round because it's, I know they're going to be there. So what's your camp rule? Do we, we shoot a deer? Are we allowed to skin them out right there, quarter them up, or do we got to take them to the, the tax, the, the butcher shop to so, get them tested? So traditionally this is how it works. It really, yeah. since my cabin is off grid, no refrigerators, no yeah. running water. Right. It makes it difficult when you get like that 60, 50, 70 degree day, right. because right. as you know, time is of the essence. Now I know you guys know how to break down a deer and get that thing in a cooler damn quick. Yeah. So <laughs> it's really going to be a matter of what's our plans for the next day you yeah. know if, if we're if we're driving to juniata the next day then yeah we're probably gonna want to just take that thing to the to the butcher take a drive yeah um but so that's the only limiting factor and, and unfortunately that's often how it goes for me because it's always like a dang warm day when i'm getting getting it done and it's just it's it's work you know you and, know how it goes it's yeah and it's work. it's not a big deal because i mean Oh no, I have to drive back out there to get my deer. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I, that's what who I cares? It's yeah, it's, it, yeah, that's one of yeah. my favorite got, things. That's one so, of my favorite and, things yeah. to go out there and was, you know, track them down and yeah. get them and drag yeah. them back with the crew. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah, that, that's a joke I always had running is darn, I got to go out next week. You know, I, oh, I have <laughs> to, I have no choice. I got to hunt again and then go get my meat. I think in the month of okay, November, I'll tell my wife back. I think in the month of November or late October, early November, let's call that a month. I think I might work like six days. All the rest is like, I'm fine. It's like four or five days. All the rest is archery hunting. And you kind of, you kind of schooled me on this. You're like, dude, you're like donkey. You're burning yourself out in the early season. Why don't you wait for rut to use all your vacation? And I was like, yeah, yeah. You know what? As the seasons were going on. At by the end of the season, I was smoked because I was going so hard in the beginning and I learned a lesson there. And I, you know, I actually learned something from you and I was like, you know what, screw this. It's rutcation from here on out. I don't care about that early season sitting there with the bugs eating you with a thermocell and this and that rutcation, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I'm a big, 
you know, obviously the vast majority of what I do is private hunting. So, you know, I follow the likes of like the Jeff Sturgis from, you know, Whitetail. What is it? Whitetail. Shoot. I'm going to jack this one up. Pursuits or Whitetail. Whitetail. God damn Pro- it. I watched, I watched some of his videos too. And he, he yeah. was actually in one of the, one of the challenges with the hunting public there. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, he, I love his saying is, you know, hunt from the couch. You know, he, his thing is even against ruckation is look, you don't want to go out on that super windy day and spook out that monster buck. He's like, don't even risk it. You know, pick the perfect ideal situation, the perfect ideal day yeah. to go in and do what you got to do. You know, it's a different world when it's private and you probably got eyes everywhere, potentially with, with cell phone cameras. Yeah. Might've patterned them by then where you guys hunt. I mean, I could see, you know, where, you know, I'm, I might be seeing more deer than you guys. Cause it's just a smaller area and I'm familiar with it, but you know, you guys are, like you said, you're hunting a, a needle in a haystack and man, if you're going it's, in, there's so much deep, territory for them to go to, you, it's just you know what the, though, it's a mental beat down too, when you're not seeing shit. You know, and, yeah. and watch I think this year might be, might be weird too, because the, the early drop on acorns you know, oh, yeah. and stuff, the thing yeah, is, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. You can't be scared of that challenge though. Like where we hunt literally needle on a stack. It, it is it. a challenge. And I'm telling you right now, Andy, you come up there and you kill a deer, the reward, it, what it does oh, yeah. for, what it does for your psyche is it's yeah. amazing because i we've, I spent. A lot of years hunting on our family farm that we can't hunt anymore, but it was, it was like shooting fish in a barrel. I know I said this before, but I know what easy hunting looks like. So now that we're forced with this challenge, uh, the reward is it's unbelievable. Like what it does for the confidence too. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Dan, Dan will tell you, I I'm so anal about it that I don't even want to hunt near the fields. You know, I won't go over there near the, near the fields, even though I know mm-hmm. that it's probably wise to do so yeah. because of that's, that's a great way to, to identify what the pattern is food. Right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's I'm a great just, way to run into other hunters too. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of hunters that, that hunt that area because of that. And I, I just like, I love the challenge. I, I love, you know, yeah. and yeah. I've had the frustration, you know, I think last season is probably the most frustrating season I've had yet. Last, force, last force year, things. last year, my, my eight point was damn near two mile drag to get it back. You know, it was yeah, 1.8 miles. Hard. It's, it's, you're, you're mm-hmm. going in and you're dedicating yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you know, you sit there all day and the easy part is shooting after that is where the work begins. And, you know, oh, they have right. pictures of me when we got back and I'm st- sitting there with my buck, you know, hands on the antlers and my face is so blowed out. Like the work that I just put in to get that deer, but you know what? That reward oh, yeah. was just beautiful, man. Absolutely. Heck Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it is. And then to find a, a big, a big buck, you know, in those mountains, you don't, you don't see four and five year old deer very often. And when you do, right. when you do, and you get them, it's, that's, that's an accomplishment. I think that. Oh, heck yeah. Your, your buck yeah. is probably like a four year old deer, Dan. Yeah. 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 He was, he was decent. A nice young buck. Actually, for it's what we had for dinner tonight, beautiful back straps on the grill. Yeah, man. Nice. Wife was smiling ear to ear. She loves it. <laughs> I had some venison tacos myself tonight. So nice, <laughs> nice. Mike had tater so tots. <laughs> <laughs> he did. I, 
And chicken tenders. <laughs> and chicken tenders. I think you got a That's... sippy cup of chocolate milk, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look. He's looking away. Like, <laughs> Are you ashamed Just wait till after the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll have a great yeah. time hunting. Yeah. <laughs> I say that because I'm I'm a couple I'm a lot of miles away from Mike too. Yeah. It's safe over here. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. So what's a good Dan and Andy hunting story? Is it I mean, I know the one with the coyote we talked about last week. Oh boy. Uh, or the week before. Was that whatever week that was? He told, yeah. told the coyote story. What's another uh, that good was, that, so, was, that was a good one. The one one I remember. <laughs> it actually turned out the end result ended up in one of the best pictures me and you ever took with the, each other at the lake, you know, but oh, yeah. so we're up at camp. Everybody laid the drone. Yeah. I think it was that weekend that he took yeah, yeah, the view of the yeah. drone pictures. Well, I think it was just me and me and him left at camp. Me and Andy are left at camp. Everybody else left and we're like, yeah, hey, let's go down here, go hunting. We had two way radios and, you know, we're communicating back and forth and he's like, Hey man, I'm like, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, what's up, Andy? He's like, hey, I think we need to just pack it up. I, I think we're done for the night. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, man, I had to get down out of my tree to get something. Then I climbed back up. Then I had to take crap, so I had to get back down again. <laughs> he goes, I think I just stunk it up down here, so I think we're done. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Roger, that. I'll, yeah, I'll meet you on the other That'll side. Do it. I'll meet you on the other side of the water, brother. So we, we met up, took some beautiful pictures of a sunset and took the, yeah. you know, the sights in and man, it, you know, that, that's the kind of stuff it's, it's not always about success. You know what I mean? It's about yeah. those moments right there. Like, yeah, just like I told last, you know, last podcast about, you know, I mean, you, you know, spring gobbler hunting and you're shooting at the coyote and look me, just me looking over and your eyes looking at you, like your reaction yeah. to that, like it. We, we already have some good memories and that's why I'm saying, man, we got to do oh, yeah. a tradition and we got to hunt yep. together more because we have a lot of, yeah. you know, a lot of fun doing it. And that's what it's all yeah. about. Really? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, we love having people up there and, and that different people oh, going out and experiencing it's, stuff it's, together it, is great. And that's the other end of it too, because we, you know, I grew up going to a big camp in Perry County. I was very young, you know, 13, 12, 13, whatever cabin filled smoke filled you know what i mean beers yeah, being yeah. cracked you know how it is 15 plus guys which is like holy crap when you're that age and then <laughs> now as i got older i experienced you know a hunting camp in potter county with my buddy ian beautiful territory you know, yeah. a libhart and, and slowed camp up near cross fork pa which was a an awesome scene too and then you know we got our cabin and and for the most part it was just me and my dad yeah. And for years, it was just me and my dad. And occasionally we'd have somebody come up every now and then and hunt with us, but really missed out on that, that Pennsylvania tradition, you know, of a big camp and, you know, to be able to go out to your guys' camp a couple of years ago. And yeah, it was only maybe five, six, well, no, we had a, we had a decent crew up there yeah. and it was just, it kind of, you know, it brought back some of those good feelings. And well, you came up for the coyote hunt time. too, right? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I forgot mean, about another, that. We got another coyote experience, but did we actually go out hunting for coyotes there. Dude, I, I got shooting. We got out to the oh. gas line. He, he yeah. put, he put his, his, his electronic call out there on the other side of the gas line. And we strung out me, him and Jevin. And no sooner he starts calling. I'm like, Hey boys on the radio. I'm like, did you hear that? They're answering. They're coming in. So I told Andy, I was like, dude, hit it again. Do the distressed rabbit. You know, like call them in. And next thing you know, all I could hear was them coming through the leaves and I, it was three coyotes 
I picked the, the biggest one and I shot at it. Well, the problem was <laughs> total Zemer moment. I went and sighted my rifle in and I had my scope turned all the way to power nine and I never turned it back. So when I pulled up to get it in, you know, in my vision, all I saw was gray. And by the time I shot, all I saw was dust fly. So I didn't have the right setting on the scope to <laughs> totally screwed that up. But they, then them coyotes, they ran down behind him and Jevin yet, you know, it was, yeah. it was wild. And we, we go back and get to the truck and we head back and we get to the power line. There's dad and uncle Bill and Mark. They're setting up a little blind to do, you know, to start their coyote for, you know, set up for the evening. And we're like, dude, we just got shooting. They didn't believe us. And we're like, oh, like, yeah, man, we just got shooting. We didn't get one, but we got shooting. And I was yeah, using, was go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was using a seven millimeter mag. So that thing, when I, that thing went off, it was, let, let's just say there was no animal within a mile because that thing was like a cannon going yeah. off, you know? Oh man. And, and it's, sim it's similar to our turkey hunting experience because we're completely caught off guard again, because it was <laughs> literally the first, we got up there in the afternoon, it was three 30 in the afternoon. Like who, th who would have thought, I mean, yeah. we literally set up, turned the freaking thing off the first time I've ever even used that call. Yeah. And all of a sudden I hear you on the radio, like, I think I heard something. And then a second time then I heard him. And then and Jevin I chimed in. He's like, yeah, I hear him. I hear yeah. him. Yeah, and then you shot, missed, and then you know it's like we went oh, turkey hunting. They were so coming they in. Off they're hard, weren't even fake. So, so Dan, here we are. We're zero and two now. <laughs> so we got we got some redemption here. Yeah, you yeah. Get some. So I, you know what? I forgot to ask you. Last season, good, bad, mediocre. How was it? I tell you what. Last season was 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 okay. So it was the first year, and I think about what was it four or five years where I didn't kill a deer with a bow. And the main reason was, was because I was being literally tortured by two really nice eight pointers right here in Columbia in this little 12 acre meadow. And I, I shit you not, I seen big racker, 80 yards one evening, 110 the next, getting busted by, a, getting winded by a damn doe the one morning, Saturday morning and, and taking that buck off. John Gamby shoots the one eight point day later. And then, uh, you know, my, my cell phone camera's going off. I mean, it was just a game of cat and mouse last, last season. And, uh, it was awesome to witness down here. And then up at camp, you know, I ended up because of the, the hot buck action, I, I passed on multiple shots on smaller bucks and though, of course, and then up at camp, I had some interesting encounters as well. Not as good hunting up there, but I had a nice eight point come in and for the first time I grunted him off a too young doe and he ended up coming around and for some reason he took the long way he didn't jump up jump over these logs and he just got to 45 and i was up in a big old ladder stand with a long shot and man i didn't i just have one of them just slivers of 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 a limb like right in my arc like right about 10 yards in front of him and i'm just like damn it and it was just one of those moments where I was like, 45 is a little too long for PA Woods, and this would be very risky. But yeah. it was it was very cool. I, I rattled in a buck last year. That was a first. And I... I in Pennsylvania, that's something. I, yeah. 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 It was a young guy. He bit, and he came in hot, which was just an awesome experience. So I had an awesome experience watching it, 
pure torture from a hunter standpoint, not being able to, <laughs> but I tell you what, I, last year was the first year I, I, I told myself, uh, I'm going to get aggressive. That was part of the reason why getting the saddle was yeah. so I can have more options. Yeah. To I am, I am totally, totally I, in the mindset to be you, aggressive. I, yeah. Yeah. And I put away those thoughts of, of, oh, you'll spook them away. You'll do this. You'll do that. I really, really, really focused on wind. I did do that. Mm-hmm. And I also got, and, and wind shifts and you know how that goes. Oh, and yeah. I just got, I got busted once or twice and, and you know, unfortunately that's just the way it, it all came out, but it was an awesome learning experience. And I, it just made me that much more motivated for this year. So. Hey, you know, good on you for doing the ethical thing and not taking that shot because some guys would yeah. just, would just do it. And then you get, you're yeah. out there wounding one of these beautiful animals and it's like, come on, man. What the hell's wrong with yeah, you? You know, you know when, the, when you, you grunt them in like that too, it's like, oh, it's, yeah. it's working like it's supposed to. Everything's <laughs> falling in place. Just come ten more yards this way, and yeah. you know, I, I've had, and that's Bohun. You know, yeah. I've, yeah. I've had so many experiences. I've had, you know, that that was a decent deer. That was a nice eight point. Nothing to, nothing to shake. You know, shake a stick at whatever. But you now I've had a big guy go right by me too, in some high winds and. And boy, I was kicking myself for that before. But as far as like big, big deer, I've seen them. Never really got within bow range to them. But boy, is it ever fun watching them go by when you do see them and then trying to put all the pieces together and and just come up with a plan. It's a, boy, it's a, such a unique, you know, art form, hobby, whatever you want to call it. And boy, is it ever get addictive when, when when it's hitting, man. So Dan and I talked about, you know, I can't remember if it's the last episode or the episode before we talked about not forcing the hunt, you know, like you said, picking the spot, knowing the wins for that spot and not hunting it just because you're like, oh, that's the, that's the hot spot or whatever. Don't force a hunt, go somewhere else, do some additional scouting, you know, and and continue to scout until you find, do still hunting or whatever, till you find a spot, hunt that hot sign, get up on a tree for the ground, whatever it is, yeah. you know, I'm trying to make sure that I am pushing the envelope, you know, every, every time I go mm-hmm. out, you know, to maximize my chances, you know, and I'm sure I'm going to fail different times. Yeah. You know, it happens, but you know. Yeah. It's, it's quite the dance. I'll tell you what, you know, you just gotta, you gotta fight so many urges that you have instinctually and naturally like to yeah. get out there and, and yeah. get after them. And, and boy, you could just really. You can really bust, bust a lot and do a lot of wrong. But again, you know, that's life, you know, and you got to learn from your, you know, from your mistakes and, and, and formulate a a better plan for, you know, the next day or the next season, whatever, whatever it may be. Heck yeah. Um, Yeah. So, Hey, I know you got plans here this evening. I'm running low on battery. I just got an alert. (laughs) Uh, apparently this wasn't charged as much as I thought it was, but is, uh, social media wise, is there anything you want to plug yourself? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just have my, uh, my, um, my personal Instagram account. Um, it's under, uh, personal Prometheus, or you could probably just look up my name, Andy Musser. Probably what you'll find there mostly now is me working out with kettlebells and, and short shorts or maybe some of a bronco that i of my new bronco that i just got that so those two things are my newest obsession is working so you know i get i get through phases each year of like being obsessed with shit and you know right now it's working out in my new bronco and i'm telling you after doing this podcast tonight and going up to my camp this weekend to 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 move some stuff around and do some scouting it's 
those, this bow hunting obsession is going to, it's going to hit me hard. So. Yeah. It gives you the it's itch when me. you start talking about it. There's no doubt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. I think, yeah. didn't, didn't the old man say, is it yesterday, the day before, day before 53 days till season yeah. opener? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Opening season. Yeah, here we go. So Mike, you want to, you want to do the preview for the next? Well, the next episode, we're kind of looking to, um, dig into some of the lessons learned, beginner mistakes that we made and what we did to correct them and some things that, some stories that don't end too well, that now, you know, we do things differently that beginners could really get a lot of, a lot out of. I think that, you know, you know, we'll be, you know, talking bad about ourselves, but at the same time, it, it's, it's lessons that are important to learn yeah. when yeah. it comes to you know, going out for that first time, or even if it's your second year hunting, there's a, I mean, I don't think I was not screwing up until, I don't know, like, I don't know, like last year, maybe, <laughs> but, but you know, you're learning lessons every time you go out. So yeah. it's, it's important to, to hear about those, those lessons, whether it comes to setting your bow up or setting your stand up or, or like you said about, you know, you get that first deer and it's time to skin it out and you're like, okay, what do I do next? You know, even for the, things. even for the seasoned guy, there's a beginner in all of us at any time, you know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah. I still let the old man go cut, cut the butthole out. You know, I don't, you know, <laughs> nobody wants well, that, that job. Why, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know anybody who likes that. <laughs> uh, well, on, so that comfortable note, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> hey donkey, hey donkey, I love you brother. And I'm so grateful for you to come on. Thank you so much. Hey, it's yes. been a blast. Thank you very much, to... Andy. And we'll be in touch. Awesome and we appreciate it. Yeah, yeah we'll... it was an honor. Honestly, appreciate you too, Donk and and uh, Mr. Mike here. I'm I'm looking forward to this Muster Zemer yeah. deer deer tradition here, deer tour. So let's yeah. do it. Let's do it, gentlemen. Thank you. Yeah, no okay. no no doubt, man. And you know, here's Dan, you here's want to close a little, this out. Yeah, here's a little call to action, man. Listeners, subscribe. You know, leave us a five star review if you can. Send in some questions, and you know, we want to thank you. Thank you very much for listening. We know ever ever you know we all definitely appreciate it. But you guys have a good night, man.